0: Welcome to the Double Loot Podcast, your source for everything about fingerprints. My name is Timothy Fail from the Santa Clara County Sheriff's Office.
1: And while you're working on your comparisons, we'll talk about comparisons. I'm Eric Ray. And I'm Glenn Langenberg. Welcome again, Glenn. Uh, still social distancing by a couple thousand miles, but... Um,
0: but we both have the coronavirus. Congratulations. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm still good. Family's still good. And, and hope that the, that's the same for uh, everyone out there uh, listening uh You know, to uh, to us uh, as you know, we all kind of get used to to some new stuff. But um man, I don't know about you. I have had a insanely busy past couple weeks.
0: Yeah, it's it's been di- well. I, I wouldn't say it's been really busy. It's just been different. Just the adjustments. That's all for me. I think it's been busy for you, but it's been weird. adjusting weird for you. For me.
1: Yeah, it's it definitely weird. Staying. I mean, most days just heck, actually. I went out to tonight to to uh, to grab some food for the family, and uh, but it's been quite a few days since I left the house, which is kind of weird. Putting on shoes for the first time in a few days. Uh, no, I think it's it's a combination of different projects that are you know coming up at uh, uh, at work with Idemia that um, uh, are all kind of on the front burner and uh, and need different amounts of attention. So sure. Hopefully I can fight those fires down and, and move in just to kind of regular busy for a little bit. I could I could definitely use a week where I just have to like work on comparisons. You know, that kind of slow, monotonous, you know, long stretch of just comparing that, sh- that you sometimes get.
0: Yeah, it can be really relaxing.
1: Oh man, I need one of those uh, weeks here pretty soon. I think, uh, so in talking, we decided that... With everything so serious going on that we wanted to do something a little more lighthearted this week for for our listeners. Uh, So, Glenn, um, why don't you explain the idea that you came up with?
0: Right. So, in leading with the congratulations we have coronavirus (laughs) joke, (laughs) Uh, I shouldn't say a joke, but like you said, trying to be lighthearted. This is for April Fool's, uh, and we plan to drop this on April Fool's. So. This will be perfect timing with that. And like you said, it's a, a bit of a lighthearted difference and we thought with people being sheltering in place and, you know, being stuck inside watching lots of movies, we would generate a list of movies that we enjoy that have some element of forensics to them and of course would not be the obvious run of the mill like TV shows like CSI or NCIS or those shows, but movies. ...that have some element of forensics to it and that we both enjoy, and we would give a little synopsis and and sort of, hey, these are recommendations. If you haven't seen this movie – well, first of all, if you've never seen the movie, you should watch the movie that we'll be recommending. And if you haven't in a while watched it, go back and watch it. We've got some good recommendations, although – I don't know what yours are and you don't know what mine are. We expect there will be some crossover. Yep. And the and we're going to start off with reading the tagline to the other person. Now, Eric and I are both movie geeks. We both worked in movie theaters. If you're not familiar with the tagline, that's the punchy little phrase that's on the movie poster. And w- every movie has some sort of phrase that's supposed to, in some way, capture the essence of the movie. But, Eric, if you've read enough taglines, some of them are terrible. I mean, and <laughs> like, tell you nothing about the movie. Right. I mean, it's clear that the person that wrote it did not know anything about the movie. And then other times, they're just so bad, they're good.
1: Definitely an enjoyable part. And uh, uh, <laughs> But you're absolutely right. Sometimes they're just either terrible or generic uh or or not you know how does that quite fit in with what's going on in the story sometimes i think they're written to fit the poster and not necessarily the uh the, re- point. the movie that they're attached to
0: yeah for sure good point
1: all right uh you ready for number one yeah go ahead man all right so this you know no particular order well actually i'm gonna go maybe in chronological order from newest to oldest but you know, other than that, you know, no kind of order as to preference. Just you know, movies I just enjoy with uh, forensics as a as a key element. So the first tagline is: "There's more than one way to lose your life to a killer."
0: <laughs> All right, so the I don't think so. The first thing that pops in my head is Saw, but that's that's the that's the first thing that pops in my head from the tagline.
1: So the uh, the movie being Zodiac. Yep. So this is a 2007 film from David Fincher, who may be my favorite current director that's uh, that's out there working.
0: Yep, I, I can get behind that. It, it, he's a great director, and Absolutely. it's a good movie.
1: And it is a fantastic movie. The, I mean, the, even the cast here, Jake Gyllenhaal, Mark Ruffalo, Robert Downey Jr., Anthony Edwards, Brian Cox, Elias Codius, Dermot L- Mulroney. And it tells uh, the story of the Zodiac killings from uh, California in the sixties. And uh, this is what I've gone back to, you know, uh, a few times over the years, just because it, it's, it's so great. And it be, it kind of switches halfway through from, from uh, a movie about the actual crimes to then about the investigation and all the people over the years that have kind of just fallen into the obsession of trying to decipher the the who done it of you know who committed these murders and are they all connected and what about the the ciphers from the paper that were published you know de- trying to decode those and uh, and as you know David Fincher you know, usually does it's it's a uh, it's a fantastic story wonderfully told so uh, some of the forensic stuff you know is uh, you know first with the um, some of the forensic stuff first involves uh, firearms comparisons. So there are a few different weapons used uh, in the Zodiac crimes. And uh, you know, comparing the the bullets from multiple victims. Uh, and then there's uh, handwriting analysis to letters that were mailed in uh, to different uh, newspapers. Basically saying, hey, publish this, this cipher, this code in your paper or I'm going to kill a bunch of kids. Uh, anyway, so those... Uh, that, that's another part of the analysis. And then even just decoding that is a, is a you know, kind of, 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 uh, of forensic analysis that, uh, that gets involved. And, um, famously there was this, this couple, like even <laughs> there are all these people working on it. There was like this, uh, these teachers that just on a Sunday afternoon decided to give it a shot to decoding it and figured out the first cipher, but there are still other ciphers that remain undecoded to this day.
0: Oh, I, I didn't realize that that they're all or not all, but some were still undecoded. Oh, oh and, yeah,
1: there's and there's websites you can go to to like to get even give it a hand yourself. Where they're like like you know with trying different methods. Where like there's, there's websites even set up to help you try to decode it. Like all right, what about this letter here? This letter here? And anyway, that, it's that's uh, pretty fascinating. It is an ongoing mystery.
0: Yeah, that is a great thing to do in your spare time if you'd like to break the Zodiac <laughs> cipher. <laughs> That'll keep you busy, and you might even be able to claim some time, uh, some hourly work for it as well. Working from home.
1: <laughs> so uh, yeah, definitely recommend it. the The movie kind of ends up with its uh, theory of of who committed the crimes, but um, mm-hmm. uh, you know there is that kind of leading theory, but. Still, as yet, um, you know, unknown uh, to this day. So this is unbelievably coincidental,
0: but okay. uh, I, you and I haven't talked about this. But I recently worked on the Zodiac killer case, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> okay, of course you did. <laughs> right, so a uh, quick, quick story here, I, and I was, wasn't aware of this. About a year ago, I was asked uh, – well, I was actually in the Los Angeles area, and I was asked by a production company to come by their studio, and they were doing some filming. And they had me look at some some work from the Zodiac case, some pictures of various kinds of evidence that included some fingerprints. And I guess there were some recent authors who had issued a book about – uh, who they thought might have been involved in the Zodiac Killer, or you know who who was the Zodiac Killer, and it involved some of the fingerprints from the taxi cab. So you know, in, in, as well as in the movie, and you know anyone can look this up. You know, there is the victim in the the taxi cab, and there were some bloody prints left behind. And I was asked to look at those bloody prints and compare them to. The, the, one of the leading suspects in the case according to the author's theory. And uh, they, the, what, my conclusions were pretty easy uh, to reach because there was just simply no ridge detail except for a white line through this that the authors who are not fingerprint examiners at all, have any training in fingerprints at all. They claimed it was a scar. And the, the, the person that they thought had done this had a scar on his right index finger. The problem with it is that the um, position of it was going the wrong direction. You'd have to have reversed the bloody prints in a reversal to make oh. it fit the right finger and 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 then even then it's in the wrong direction and all it just it's simply to get the scar to actually go in the right direction, which is like from one o'clock to seven o'clock, you'd had to have reversed the image. Right. Which I think they did, which I said that would have that, that's a silly thing to do because your fingers wouldn't have laid down that way. There's no reason to reverse them as bloody impressions. So Anyway, it was just it, – it simply didn't fit, and plus there was no evidence at all that it was a scar, it was just simply a white line running through the impression. Maybe it was a scar. Maybe it wasn't. You couldn't say it, but they had concluded that it was. So this production company filmed me saying this, and I just got a text – Maybe a couple weeks ago was someone saying, "Hey, I was watching Hulu, and you're in this episode." And I had no idea that they had actually filmed it, <laughs> finished it. They never told me anything, right? Uh, but the name of the show is "The Most Dangerous Animal of All." It's on FX Networks and Hulu. So if you have that and want to watch, I think it's a four four part series on the Zodiac Killer and this theory. Uh, you, I think I'm in the third episode. So anyway, it's funny you should bring up the Zodiac oh, it's- Killer. That's good. Weird connection with it. exactly.
1: Uh, and yeah, that that line is a is a key element through uh, throughout uh, throughout the case. So from the 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 cipher all the way through uh, to the 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 leading suspect that's uh, that's brought up here in the movie and in the case and everything. So no, that's uh, that's really great. I'll have to, well, maybe kind of get a Hulu subscription first, but, but definitely <laughs> look that uh, look that uh, spe- that um, that documentary up. All right, Glenn. What's uh, what's your first choice?
0: All right. So my top choice, which has just some of my my favorite forensics, and will be going along the same line as yours. Also a David Fincher movie. So <laughs> I, I'll give you the tagline, but it's just it's so obvious. Seven deadly sins. Seven ways to die. So seven. Seven. Yeah.
1: With the set with the the, the V as the seven. You know. Right. You know. Before you go into the the story, that that's a quick funny story. Did you work on that one I too? I did not. <laughs> I, that movie came out in 95, I believe. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. So I was still in high school uh, in 95, but was dating my current wife. <laughs> we saw this this movie come out and, and saw all the previews because we were both working at the movie theater and uh, decided I'd be fun date night. So we went <laughs> on a date night to see Seven. That's awesome. And strange, you know, Strangely enough, it all worked out in the end, and you know married and kids and everything but uh but <laughs> that was definitely one of the oddest date nights that uh, that we ever had
0: oh, for sure and and what now if the listeners, if you've not seen this movie, oh boy, well, all right, first of all, it's one of the movies I watch every year to kick off Halloween season. I watch oh. this movie annually. It is so dark, so kind of depressing and oppressive, and yet I love. Every minute of it, it is actually one of my top ten, perfect ten movies. There is, in my mind, nothing wrong with this movie. It's perfect from beginning to end, and I love the feeling of it, the dread, the, the weather. It's perfectly shot. It's, do you know what city it's in, or supposed to be in?
1: It's, I believe it's supposed to be in L.A., uh, if I remember right. Uh, however, it looks like it's in Seattle. Right. So they never actually say
0: and it turns out I think it's actually supposed to be New York City. But it's either, you're right. It's either New York City or, or Los Angeles. Right. But it, I mean the way it's filmed, it, it does seem like Seattle. It's just – constant raining and oppressive but if you've never seen this movie get ready because it, <laughs> uh, it's 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 not an uplifting movie oh, in the no. least bit no not at all and we won't give away anything but it really is uh, in, in my view it's a dark but fantastic movie and like you said david fincher uh, it's got morgan freeman and brad pitt as the lead detectives in it and morgan freeman is about to retire And Brad Pitt's the new young homicide detective coming on board. Morgan Freeman is is assisting with the transition in his last couple of weeks, and they catch a case that – seems pretty odd at first uh, and uh, just as there, as he's getting ready to retire they get a second case that they then realize that these are connected together and that they're related to the seven deadly sins. Each of the victims is being killed in a way along with the seven deadly sins. And so Morgan Freeman's character realizes this is just going to keep going until it plays out. Because he basically implies something that I really love about the movie is that as cops or forensic scientists were never per- preventing crime all we're doing is just cleaning up picking up the pieces and maybe maybe having some justice in the end but but he kind of makes that whole speech about not being able to to stop this or prevent this and i i i I appreciated that that somber sort of view on that
1: and what kind of uh, forensic elements uh crop up uh, throughout
0: so there's a great fingerprint scene. There's a couple of good fingerprint scenes, but one really good one where they're using a chemical that really doesn't exist. But they're using like a luminol fluorescent sort of chemical, and they're spraying down a wall, and they find a message written from the killer in fingerprints, and it just leads them to the next the next victim of the seven deadly sins, which he's always one step ahead of them, and sort of leading them until they get one step ahead of him, and it throws every Everything off, and it's really great because that almost never happens in these kind of movies. They legitimately get ahead of him somehow, and I won't spoil that. But it's it's such a great, fantastic movie. Great dialogue, great scenes, and again, well, I, I love when they eventually get to the part about the killer. Uh, it's not predictable in any way. It's not the oh, it's the boss or the you know, it's the FBI agent you know who's their friend. It you know how's these movies just sort of. There's only a handful of characters, so it's got to be one of them who's the killer, right? No, no, it's someone that it's someone that that will surprise you when it gets to there, and I, I won't ruin that surprise. But it's a great moment in the movie, and it's like, holy crap. And I I really enjoy every little reveal and that they don't pull any punches throughout. There's a great autopsy scene where there's some great medical evidence. Uh, There is some sort of digital forensics that they do. There's an APHIS scene where they're waiting for the the APHIS to scroll through the millions of fingerprints where the guy said, I've seen this thing take as many as three days to get a hit.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean again it was 95 um yeah true but still yeah, true. you know it's it is funny how technology goes and and now you know people are just kind of tapping their toes if uh, if well if a latent search much less a ten print search comes back in in more than you know 15 minutes but well no, that's great
0: and and the last 20 minutes of the movie just it fills you oh. with absolute dread i mean i remember just a pit just, in my stomach and it just <laughs> grew, and yeah. grew and grew and grew it it had the same pit in my stomach that i had for every scene with javier bardem in no country, country for, for old, old men, men. Yeah. just uh, just twist it up, like oh, this is not going to be good.
1: <laughs> well, and and again, that same kind of twisting, and you're on a date, you know.
0: <laughs> yes, yeah, that that's why when you said that, I mean, it's right. so perfect, it's, it's hilarious. Oh, and I would say don't skimp on the the end credits too. Great soundtrack. Trent Reznor, Nine Inch Nails, David Bowie. Because I worked at the movie theater when this came out, I was often cleaning the theater, right. so I must have heard that soundtrack a million times at the end of this movie. And just amazing soundtrack.
1: Yeah. You know, one more thing: uh, the uh, the actor who plays the uh, the killer in that mm-hmm. movie. I mean, I had known him, right? Yes. From seeing him in other other uh, movies, but had did not recognize him. At all when he showed up, uh, yeah. so you know, kind of transformed a little bit and just not, you know. So it, it even be, the killer became like even more anonymous because yes. I didn't recognize the actor when uh, when he was in that role.
0: Yeah, I, another great scene too is when they go into his apartment at one point and are reading his journals. Oh yeah, I mean, some some prop person had to create all those, and they really did. They just created thousands of pages, and it's just insanity, just pure insanity. It really is a great little peek inside of the mind of a serial killer. It's just its so dark and lovely. It is really one of my top ten, perfect ten
1: movies. Agreed. All right, uh, my next one, tagline, if you look close enough, you'll find everyone has a weak spot. Ooh. Any guess out there? It, it's, it's, um, it's not as popular as the first two movies that we've, we've come up with. Uh, well, both being David Fincher movies. But this is from 2007. Any guess before I, I put no, it out there? I,
0: I, no, and you say 2007. I can think about what came out around that time. But
1: no, I, I don't. This is Fracture with Anthony Hopkins and Ryan Gosling.
0: Yeah, this was on my list, but I never got to it. This would have been about seven down my list. It's, that's a great movie.
1: It really is. It it's uh oh boy. So this is directed by Gregory Hoblet, um, which I was like, what? that's a name I don't like. See, I can't like place that name as a director. But holy cow, <laughs> he he directed Primal Fear and Fallen and Frequency. So I'm like, yeah, you know, they just. I, I mean, especially F- Primal Fear and Fallen are really uh, two of my yeah. favorite movies. Uh, definitely, you know, not surprising that that he did such a good job here. And then, in uh, besides Anthony Hopkins and Ryan Gosling, you got uh, David Stratham, Rosamund Pike. Oh yeah, this is Anthony Hopkins as you know, kind of you know, basically after Silence of the Lambs, uh, he he just had to play you know creepy uh, killer guy. And uh, he finds out that his uh, wife um, is having an affair with a police officer and shoots her. so it's one of those kind of things where it's not like as much of a mystery as as other movies are because it's pretty clear you know who who killed this lady well the when the police come the one of the detectives is the guy that you know his wife was having an affair with, and you know. He, uh, goes crazy and attacks Anthony Hopkins and, you know, from that, you know, the initial, uh, arrest fruit of the poison tree is kind of tossed out and now there's not really a whole lot of evidence against, uh, Anthony Hopkins uh, and it kind of goes from there. So a big key part of, uh, of the story is involved with the, uh, the handgun, uh, that's analyzed, and you know definitely lots of twists and turns and you know kind of eventually ends up more as a courtroom drama uh oh boy it, it's it's uh some unexpected twists and um uh and just you know well told story overall
0: yeah it, it it is it's it's great and like you said lots of little twists and uh, i mean the i don't know who authored the screenplay but clearly uh, enjoy playing with some legal loopholes. And like you said, the, the fruit of the poisonous tree and double jeopardy and some of those crazy little legal loopholes.
1: Yep. Yep. And, um, there's, you, then you, and you start questioning about, I mean, you know who the killer is, but you're like, how, how are they going to get this guy? And, and as evidence comes up, you know, not everyone on the you know police side is necessarily you know an upstanding person so what's fake what's real uh i like when movies kind of play with that as well indeed yep for sure
0: all right what do you got next well i'm sure this is probably on your list because it's just such another great forensic scene uh but uh, the the tagline is it's a it's such a weird one it's just you and me now sport it Says
1: you and me now sport Is it is it
0: Mr. Brooks? No, that is a. That's funny you should you should say that because that was another one I considered, but it was just too. It's not one of my favorite movies. No, yeah, but I exactly. Took a, I took a photo of the cover, which has a fingerprint on it, which okay. we'll have to send out too on Instagram or tweet or whatever.
1: Okay, okay. I, I was thinking just you and me because it's like a split personality based kind of movie. So anyway,
0: right, right. Now, okay. So the tagline is just. So bizarre, but the movie is Manhunter from nineteen eighty six. Oh
1: yes, I love that movie. Yeah, I I remember, you know, had seeing Silence of the Lambs first because I was too young when Manhunter came out to have seen it. So I saw Silence of the Lambs first, and then when I worked at the video store, kind of rediscovering Manhunter, uh-huh. and it was on the loop that played for nineteen eighty six. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. And it was on that year's set of trailers that we played in the video store and was like, wait a minute, I want (laughs) to, I got to pull this one out and rent it one night. So, uh, and yeah, absolutely loved it.
0: fact i had a copy of it in 1989 when i went to college and shared it with my friends because it was the only thing i could show them that was like this is why i'm here at this college at michigan state for this program i want to be that guy for me it was the first time i was really seeing in a movie like my job i saw it in the mid 80s Right after I had decided I, I want to be that guy, I want to be a forensic scientist, and there's some great forensic stuff in it dealing with fibers, and there's a scene where they take some toilet paper, and they're analyzing a note, looking for fingerprints on it, but they have to fume it in a way uh, so that they can reveal fingerprints without Lecter knowing that they had taken it, and so he doesn't get suspicious.
1: Well, you say Lecter... Uh, Just to be clear, this is set in that same universe as Sounds of the Lambs. That's why I mentioned that with Hannibal Lecter. And Dr. Hannibal Lecter is a character in this movie, but not played by Anthony Hopkins. Right.
0: Uh, Yeah, uh, he's played by Brian Cox, which I have to say, I actually liked him better I think a little bit I mean Hannibal Lecter in Silence of the Lambs is fantastic and he really is fantastic in that in Silence of the Lambs he's such a caricature he's so much more scary in my view in in this one because he's so normal he's absolutely normal and chill and just seems like everyone else but he is just a certifiably insane killer and I I really enjoy how they handle it and how he does what he does in the movie but He's not—obviously, he's not, like you said, um, Anthony Hopkins' lector. But there is—yeah, anyway, so the the scene where they they have to take a note from him, they find a note in his prison cell. Right. And they have to take the note and analyze it for forensic evidence without him knowing, and they do some— they they do some handwriting stuff. They do some fiber analysis, chemical analysis. You know all the stuff that's supposed to be non-destructive that we know in reality would actually destroy it. Although I think <laughs> they used iodine fuming for the fingerprints, which is nice because it would develop the fingerprint and then fade afterwards. Right, so right. I, that was actually fairly accurate and then they did light examinations using a a vsc a visual spectral comparator to change different wavelengths to look at the different inks and look through them they would use infrared light to look through the ink to see what was covered up over some ink uh, some sharpie ink that was used to cover up some writing and so it's it's a really good forensic scene and again a little story to tie into this when the forensic scientist is working on the note, he sort of he, – he talks to himself and he says, you're so sly but so am I. And that phrase always kind of stuck with me. And when I was in my training, my trainer, who had like, you know, 30 years on me in the field, was processing some evidence. He was trying to get exactly the right wavelength of light just to show the fingerprint. And it was one of those where it takes an hour or two to get a good photograph moments during training from some, you know, some evidence. And he said under his breath, You're so sly, but so am I. And I went, Oh, Manhunter, Uh, Red Dragon. And Thomas Harris, because all of this is based on the Thomas right, right. Harris books. And he looked up for a second. And he was shocked that I knew the phrase. I was like, I oh, don't know. And he said, yeah, Manhunter. I said, yeah, that is actually one of my favorite movies. And, and he asked if I'd read the books at that time. And I had only read the first two because I don't think um, – I don't think the Hannibal had come out, the third book, at that at that point yet. But I said, yeah, I'd read these two books, and he was just really surprised I knew it. But it was uh, one of those moments of, dude, I I know why you'd say that because that phrase always sticks in my head when I'm chasing evidence down. That you're so sly, but so am I.
1: Well, and and kind of a uh, you know, precursor because the the main character uh, in uh, in Manhunter is played by William Peterson. Uh, right. Who then went on to be the lead for CSI?
0: Yeah, that's a great point.
1: Just to talk about the director real quick is Michael Mann, who, oh. uh, at least through the '80s uh, and '90s, was one of my favorite directors. Not so much anymore, but I mean, creator of Miami Vice, but one of my absolute favorite movies of all time, Heat. I Heat. love that no movie. No doubt,
0: that movie is so good.
1: Just that whole, yeah, that whole story.
0: But classic Michael Mann. Absolutely.
1: Uh, the other actor I wanted to bring up from here is the, the guy oh, who yeah. plays the killer, uh, yeah. Tom Noonan, who is fantastic as is that great. killer, and is I think he's like six, six or something. he 's just massive, um, and uh, especially in that role with that massive tattoo on his back, just really stands out and is very uh, uh, imposing and, and intimidating.
0: Yeah. Now I knew Tom Noonan from another movie. I knew him from Man with One Red Shoe, Silly Tom Hanks Spy movie yeah, yeah. from the from a couple of years before this. But yeah, that when I saw him in there, but like you said, he's so imposing and terrifying in this. Uh he just seems kinda like a you know, socially inept, you know, kind of recluse. But then when you see him in his full red dragon crazy mode, oh. it's like, Oh yeah <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah, they did a great job with him. And uh, you know, if, if listeners know anything about the Thomas Harris books, they ended up redoing this movie. Yes. later as Red after Dragon. The yeah. popularity of Silence of the Lambs, Red Dragon, with Rafe finds Voldemort playing uh, <laughs> playing playing the Red Dragon, the Tooth Fairy's character, the serial killer here. I mean, it was a good performance, but I agree. I I kind of liked Tom Noonan better. Just because, again, like the Brian Cox character playing Lecter, it seems so much more realistic. Less Hollywood movie and more everyday, everyday guy that you might see who's just crazy on the inside.
1: All right. My next one, a tagline. A tough cop, a brilliant killer, an unspeakable crime. Ooh, a tough cop probably the most generic tagline <laughs> possible especially for this movie but in any case
0: well if it's a cop going after someone what what year
1: uh 2002 and it's a remake of a foreign film all
0: right well i i don't know
1: this is insomnia
0: oh yeah yeah i love the 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 original
1: version i was not a fan of the remake really yeah. I I I well I actually haven't seen the the original. Uh the original is uh, Scandinavian, which no, Norway. It's set in northern Norway.
0: Um, Whereas this one with Al Pacino is set in Alaska, Alaska, right? Right.
1: Yeah. Uh so this is Christopher Nolan before, you know, back when uh he had to listen to the studio and not make 3-hour movies. Uh but uh-huh. <laughs> has uh Al Pacino Robin Williams, Hilary Swank, and Maura Tierney uh, in it. And uh, like you're saying, this takes place in Alaska. It's another kind of twist and turn thing. And um, I don't know if it's, if it's a coincidence or what, but I keep you um, keep thinking of movies when, when you brought up the idea that had um, uh, firearms uh, comparisons involved. And this is another one with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, where, uh, you know, essentially he's, he's called up from LAPD with uh, his partner to uh, investigate a, uh, some murders that were happening up in, you know, super small town in very northern Alaska. And, uh, you know, they, they track down the killer, but, you know, it's, everything's foggy and, and, and obscured. And uh, Al Pacino thinks he, you know, sees the killer heading off and, uh, you know, fires uh, it turns out, though, that he shoots his partner. and But he's now worried because his partner had just told him that his he was going to uh, testify to internal affairs back in L.A. that, you know, all the bad stuff that they've been doing. So t- he doesn't think, no one's going to believe me that this was an accident in the fog. They're going to think, I just shot this guy. So, uh, you know, then uh, the story kind of takes off from there with, How can he control the evidence and still be involved in investigating the case, but using the evidence to direct the investigation to kind of who he picks as uh, who should be, you know, the overall killer uh, that he was called up there uh, to you know to uh, to go to uh, to go investigate the kind of the the dark horse part of this? I think is really uh, Robin Williams. Um, Yeah, is in a very dramatic performance. There's no comedy in it at all. Uh, but and you know having to go up against Al Pacino as well. But uh, the movie and Insom- the name of the movie Insomnia really comes from uh, as Al Pacino is up there. This is in the middle of summer, so the sun doesn't go down, and he can't sleep, and it, it becomes you know weighing on him more and more and more. This lack of sleep and the guilt and and everything else. So. Now that you you say that you liked the original and didn 't really care for this one at all, it makes me want to go i, I shouldn 't say i didn 't care for
0: it 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 seemed unnecessary okay. since the first one was so good now again, this is before Christopher Nolan had really established himself. I probably should go back and and off your recommendation will because you 're right I, The one thing I remember about it was I really liked Robin Williams, and Al Pacino doesn 't play as usual hoo-ha what a great ass kind of kind of guy yeah you know it's uh, everyone's playing sort of out of character and you know out of their usual roles and and you're right there there's kind of a neat i mean the the original did it so well too just sort of a sense of weird foreboding dread just oppressive in a way
1: i've gone back and actually over the years seen quite a few movies from from that part of the world uh especially ones that have gotten american remakes and enjoyed the originals better like uh, let the right one in oh yeah the great one and uh the um uh, the uh the girl dragon the, the dragon tattoo yeah, the, that whole de- series de- yeah now kind of in this investigation you know is where i kind of realized oh i didn't even realize this was based on a a, a scandinavian movie so now that's a, just another one to add to my list
0: uh, well, the investigator is the guy from *A uh, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo*. Oh, okay. Skarsgård.
1: Oh, uh, still in Skarsgård? Yes. There's a whole family, of <laughs> Skarsgård. Yeah, no, the, sorry the el-
0: the elder Skarsgård, <laughs> right. uh, the the guy from *The Avengers*.
1: Right, right. Still in Skarsgård and yeah. Thor. Right. Uh, no, that's that's uh, yeah, that's good to know now, and and uh, definitely moves that uh, uh, yeah that up to be. Uh, you know something for me to uh to watch during uh the next you know month or two of of staying at home
0: yeah and I, i'm sure you've seen it but again for listeners you want to see another uh, just great robin williams performance outside of his character one hour photo yep. also super disturbing really good just out of
1: character for him uh, really enjoyable yep no he is definitely missed and 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 and, you know, put in a, you know, such a wide variety of, of different performances over the years. For sure. Uh, but, um, so, no, anyway, that is my third one, uh, Insomnia. All right. So,
0: my third one also, um, well, I'll give you the tagline. Sure. It, this one's pretty straightforward. You'll probably get it. Five criminals, one lineup,
1: no coincidence. Ah, the usual suspects. Um, it's It's... It's. It, I didn't have it on my list, but it, this is another story. <laughs> before you get get into it, okay. All right, go ahead. I was working at the movie theater when this came out, um, and this movie is well known for uh, its twist ending. And uh, I saw this movie two weeks before release date, and had hadn't even seen the poster. I knew absolutely zero about this movie and when that final scene happens just my mind exploded it was it was <laughs> one of the best movie going experiences of my entire life
0: yeah funny i saw it the day before it was released because we had a thursday night showing for it I didn't know anything about it either. And again, it was the same thing like, oh my, and again, this, this is a perfect 10 for me. There is zero wrong with this movie. This is
1: utterly enjoyable from beginning to end. And it, once I got to college, I went out and bought a poster for my dorm room. And me not, too, man. I have, I have a poster too. I didn't get the, the theatrical poster though, I went to a poster shop. And got, like, the four-by-six-foot poster of this thing. <laughs> I got a massive poster because I loved this movie so much. Yeah, yeah. It was the centerpiece of my poster collection that I had collected from working at the movie theater. So,
0: yeah, you younger kids, if you haven't seen this movie, it, it, there's a reason why it is now a classic. It is is so good. Was so, all right, so 1995, directed by Brian Singer. Who's become reviled in, in his you know, elder years in in the Me Too moment, but his first, well, it's, like, it's
1: not just him from that movie.
0: <laughs> yeah, true. Oh, good point. Uh, uh, this is I mean, writer, director. He did so much with this, and every little bit of him is in, in this, and it's so good. All the talent is there. A great the cast. cast. Oh, uh, my Kevin Spacey. Uh, Gabriel Byrne, you know, great Irish actor. Benicio del Toro, like his first real role. Yeah, and he and he's not even like his name's not even featured anywhere on the poster or anywhere. And and he's so good. I flip in, you. This, in this.
1: Alphaville for, sure. <laughs> for sure. for sure. It's, <laughs> he's oh, it's got so this, this accent that's like, where did that even come from? And and the whole movie is just struggling. like, What are you saying? But he's so he's so watchable.
0: On, on that note, uh, when I was teaching at New York City Police Department once, there's a guy there who I could not understand what he was saying. And because they had been giving me crap all week, I was like, dude, you're like Fenster. I cannot <laughs> understand what you're saying. And I guess that name <laughs> stuck. So they started calling him like Officer Fenster after that.
1: Because it's uh, because the good. exact
0: same thing. His accent was so thick and he was speaking so fast that I, I, I couldn't follow what the dude was saying. But, yeah, I, I called him
1: Fenster. Uh, and then the rest of the cast. Uh, Kevin Pollock, Pete post a great British actor. And then Chaz Palminteri. Uh,
0: oh, and um, oh, what's his name? Giancarlo Esposito, who listeners might know from Breaking Bad. As the 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 chicken guy, uh, what's his name? Uh, Los Poyos Hermanos. The oh the guy yeah, yeah. In that's that. true.
1: Yeah. Well, the funny thing is, we haven't even mentioned the top billed actor.
0: No, I know, I know. <laughs> it was
1: Stephen Baldwin.
0: <laughs> that is crazy that he did get top billing for that, and he's. <laughs> it's like the only well, the only well, it certainly is the only good movie he's ever been in.
1: Well, and and, uh, and so many people have gone on to bigger and better <laughs> things besides yeah. him. But, but um, the, the Baldwin name, exactly.
0: Such a great cast. The their interactions are fantastic. I guess some of the actors are even improvising too, and you can really tell. Kevin Pollak is fantastic in some of these scenes, and. He's never like over the top but just sarcastic and just oh, the yeah. dialogue is just so 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 great I mean the interactions between them and it's it's so utterly believable but uh, the story is about time of murder mystery and they're hired to do this job and as the job progresses murders are happening and it's not quite clear uh, basically their crew is starting to get knocked off. And, and killed, but it's not quite clear who's killing them. Is it this guy that they introduce, this this guy called Kaiser Sose? And it becomes this whole thing, does Kaiser Sose exist? Is he the one behind this? Is it someone else? Why is this happening? And it's sort of all being told and put together. You see the ending first, and then the whole story kind of comes together little by little, through different characters' perspectives, which sometimes distort the story a little bit, and then, it all, like you said, it all comes together at the end. Uh, it, it is so amazing from beginning to end. It also has a, a great quote from the movie, too, when they're describing Kaiser So-say. The, the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was to convince the world that he didn't exist, <sighs> and that just it just fits perfectly with the motif of the movie. How is this related to forensics, you might ask? Well, I had to shoehorn this in here a little bit.
1: <laughs> That's why I left uh, it off my list, because I yep. was like, I love this movie, uh, but how do I relate it in with forensics?
0: <laughs> oh, simple, ma'am. Well, first of all, uh, there is an arson investigation in the beginning, because uh, there's a ship yeah. that, yep, so they are investigating in the arson, and they're pulling bodies out of the water, and they're trying to do, I think they do some dental records, they do some uh, uh, analysis, uh voice analysis, they do some they're listening to the different language and they're trying to figure out like what country they're from, what language is this, what region their accent is from, to kind of figure out who these guys are and why they're dead. They um also have a sketch artist, so they're doing forensic sketch artistry. That was my big pull to get that in there okay and a little bit of psychological profiling as well there's a little bit of that going on when they're trying to figure out who this kaiser Sose is or if he exists and that and uh, then it's just a good cat and mouse police investigation too pretty thin pretty thin to shoehorn that in there it's such a great movie it's uh, it was worth it yeah, it is so good
1: all right my next one is uh here we go for the tagline life is in their hands death is on their minds (laughs) dude i I have no idea this is going way back uh i'm gonna give you the second tagline it might help a little bit it explodes like 12 sticks of dynamite i do not know that'd be 12 angry men
0: those are the 12 oh, sticks of dynamite. Oh boy, yeah. I totally, I was thinking 12
1: monkeys, <laughs> but
0: no. Uh, yeah, okay. That good, good pull. Very good pull. Yeah, great movie. Great movie.
1: So this goes back to 1957, uh, directed by Sidney Lumet, with uh, Henry Fonda, Lee J. Cobb, Ed Beagley. I'm going to guess Ed Beagley Sr. <laughs> it is. <laughs> no, there. it is. Uh, this is a, a, you know, just a, a, a jury movie. It's uh, basically contained uh, completely in the jury room where uh, 12 members uh, of this jury uh, are instructed to decide the fate of uh, this 18-year-old kid from the slums of New York uh, who is on trial for stabbing his father. And I believe it's based on the stage play uh, that yes. came first. And um, just uh, just one, you know, movies like they don't make anymore, right? The jury first uh, takes kind of a you know an initial poll to see you know what if this guy's going to be convicted, and there's one holdout, and uh, he you know the the evidence seems pretty overwhelming, and he says, all right, all right, if if we'll, let's vote again secretly, and if no one else says not guilty then i'll join everybody else by saying guilty and then there's a second one and it kind of goes from there and uh they're they're looking at the evidence but again this is all just contained into one room with 12 characters yelling at each other and they basically don't have names it's just number one number two number right. three just all yelling at each other for an hour and a half as they uh you know as they decide this uh this kid's fate and uh, they go into eyewitness testimony and um, like a little kind of again this is the 50s so it's not going to be you know super modern forensic techniques but like the the angle of the stab wound and uh, the uniqueness of the knife blade they kind of bring up all these kinds of forensic questions uh, in in working through uh, whether you know this kid should be convicted it's it's definitely a uh, a fictional account of of the jury process, uh, but uh, definitely an idealistic one of what uh, what every jury should be doing when they decide cases.
0: Yeah, and the interactions, the dialogue. I mean, yeah, it's an older movie, but it really holds up. Oh, yeah, so it's it's really good and and great acting and drama, and I I love the dialogue between the characters and uh, they establish pretty well. Without giving too much information about each of the different jurors, that they have these different perspectives, and they do a good job of coloring their statements and views through this very limited amount of information you know about each juror.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, who wants to just get out of there, right? Yeah, who's, exactly. Who's who's the uh, kind of the loudmouth? Who's um, yeah, you know, just everyone's kind of little little background um, right. and and. Like you're saying, just what you know from these people. I mean, you're kind of like a 13th jury member watching everyone interact because, you know, you don't really know anybody. This is, you know, their characters are just on display from what you would see being in that room with them. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's a really good choice, Eric. Well done.
1: All right, Glenn, what's your uh, next one?
0: All right, so my next one is another one that I watch around Halloween. It's another one of my Halloween movies. Okay. All right, so here's the tagline. More than the legend will survive.
1: The legend. So this is kind of maybe based on a true story, uh, but only kind of partially based on a true. Let's see. I've got to go with Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. (laughs) (laughs) So close. So close. Right Country, though. Okay. Uh, The movie is From Hell. Oh, my goodness. Um, those from the – what What are their names? The Brothers that did uh, – The Hughes Brothers. The Hughes Brothers, yeah. Menace yeah. to Society, right?
0: Yeah. Uh, yes. Menace to Society. Uh, they tend to do graphic novel stuff. So this is based on the Alan Moore graphic novel, yes. as was V for Vendetta. Yeah. They're a really, really good, interesting directors who – you know choose their projects carefully and this was also a bit of a labor of love for them. And so
1: this is based the true story this is based on is Yes,
0: yeah, so this is based on the Jack the Ripper killings from from 1888. And it stars Johnny Depp and Heather Graham and the great Ian Holm, Sir Ian Holm, which listeners might know as Bilbo or Ash from the original Alien movie. And Ian Holm is just – he's so great.
1: Yes. Uh, and uh, Bilbo from the Lord of the Rings movie is not the Hobbit movies.
0: Good point. Thank you. And Heather Graham, I, I think she – didn't she play Roller Girl in Boogie yep. Nights and – yeah, I've mean, I loved her in Swingers, and she was in Twin Peaks, and I've always loved—oh, and she was in one of the Austin Powers movies, too, I think the second one. Yes, I believe she was in the second one, yeah. Yeah, and so she's one of the the prostitutes in Whitechapel area. And Johnny Depp plays this investigator from Scotland Yard. And his partner is Robbie Coltrane that listeners may know as Hagrid from the Harry Potter (laughs) movies. And oh my god, Johnny Depp is just classic Johnny Depp. If you didn't know any better, you might think that this was a Tim Burton movie, but it's not quirky or silly enough. It's dark, kind of depressing, very eerie a bit graphic i mean there's a lot of graphic stuff to it they don't pull any any punches uh, but the the forensic aspect is that you know this is a time when they assume that these kind of murders could only be done by an uneducated immigrant probably a homeless immigrant vagrant or something like that and the, the idea of someone intellectual or someone with education being a serial killer uh, it was just in it's unthinkable in their their mind so you know he's kind of following along the terms of the alienist if you if any listeners are familiar with the i think his name's Caleb Carr uh who wrote the alienist and maybe dark angel i think was the second book But this idea of an alienist, a a profiler, this is early days of profiling, forensic profiling. But there's also some good medical examiner evidence where they investigate the bodies, which at the time autopsies really wouldn't have been done because they knew how the victims died. They were – they had their – throats slash and that was enough but he wanted to investigate more and and that was surprising for the medical examiners at the time then there's also some basic forensic stuff where he's examining the scenes looking for trace evidence very sherlock holmes kind of thing where forensics would have been fairly limited but there is just enough of it as he's Trying to find forensics and medical evidence and such to figure out a profile for the killer, whereas all the cops at the time are like, let's just round up a bunch of immigrants and beat them until one of them confesses, and there we go. We've, we've got our guy. Problem solved. Which, which would have been you know the, the method at the time. So it, it's a nice little look into the um, blossoming forensic science that was just starting in the late 19th century. But Johnny Depp just plays such a great inspector, and then he's got his own demons and his own problems that come up through this. And you know, they explore the whole theory of, or one of the more popular theories about who the Jack, Jack the Ripper might have been—that he may have been a member of the upper class. But then they have all these little twists and turns and motivations for why it might have been. It's an interesting sort of alternate theory about who jack the Rip- Jack the Ripper was but i really I really do enjoy this movie and it 's an- another annual annual movie, very moody, very dark, not uplifting in any way <laughs> <laughs> uh, i i just i I liked how they recreated that time and uh that just that again that kind of
1: evil foreboding, but use of forensics as well another really you know, kind of matching it back to a couple other ones, you know, unsolved crime like Zodiac, but also like the sun never shines kind of thing, like uh, uh, like Seven has, uh, mm-hmm. where just that that era of London is just so dark and rainy and and foggy and atmospheric and
0: dirty, just dirty, I mean, it's always <laughs> yes. dirty, unwashed, filthy, unsanitary. Just yeah, that that's a big part of it now. We have talked in other episodes about my Jack the Ripper connection. I'm sure
1: we – I thought we I think you may have mentioned it. I I don't think we've gone in depth into it yet because uh, we've off the air at least talked about uh, doing a couple episodes on Jack the Ripper at some point down the road.
0: Okay. Well, and maybe we will, but uh, very similar to the Zodiac one, I got involved in a case uh, asked to look at uh, one of the Jack the Ripper letters. Oh, and I should probably mention that. The reason the movie is called From Hell right. is because yeah. there are these letters that the police received that contained certain details that were not ever released to the media, that only the killer would have known, and they were signed, and they are always signed the same way, From Hell. And they had the same sort of writing. They've done analyses on them, the same sort of spelling errors, the same kind of things. And then all the other letters that they got didn't have these characteristic signatures so they think that there were two letters from jack the ripper like the zodiac killer kind of taunting them but they're always signed from hell so that's the the title of the spooky right and one of them has i think a, a bloody fingerprint uh, because it had some blood in it from one of the victims. Uh, it, one of them has a bloody fingerprint, I believe, on the, on the envelope, on the outside on okay. the envelope. And at one point I was asked to look at that fingerprint and make a comparison to someone. And maybe in another episode we can talk about that. But uh, yeah, it was another uh, I don't think I can help you here kind of thing. Right. I, I, right. I, I can't offer anything helpful here.
1: all right so to wrap up the episode uh, i suggested to glenn that we pick each out a so bad it's good movie uh mm-hmm. then it, that kind of also sort of relates this is my stretch uh is <laughs> getting this one in uh but here's the tagline ready yeah sure it's not a close encounter it's the last huh. <sighs> i don't know this is a 1990 dolph lundgren movie Called Masters of the Universe. Uh, it's now. a little earlier than that. This is called I Come in Peace. Uh, also, you may also find it under the more bland title Dark Angel, but I definitely prefer the I Come in Peace uh, title. If you, oh, that's the name of the title. That's the name of the movie. Yeah. Oh, okay.
0: And Dark Angel it's is kind of another the alternate. Yeah. Okay. Well, wasn't that the James Cameron
1: series it with was. Jessica Alba? Okay. Yeah. Around so, the same time. No, well, no, that was like 2002 or something. This is 1990. Ah. Uh, so I would invite our listeners, and you, Glenn, even right now, just type in I Come In Peace into your Google browser to right. see the, the poster <laughs> for this movie even just right away. Let's see. Directed by Craig R. Baxley. and Ah, well-known director. Uh, exactly. Not, probably none of the real names except music by Jan Ham your Jan Hammer.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, Jan Hammer.
1: Yeah, wow. You yeah, s- you that's seen the a poster? Terrible poster, isn't that yeah. great? So the poster. <laughs> anyway, Dolph Lundgren is a cop, and he's trying to get these drug dealers off the streets. Uh, the White Boys, who are a gang of white collar drug dealers that you know drive fancy cars and wear nice suits, and his his partner is you know undercover with these uh, these bad guys. And they discover who he is, and they shoot him. Well, Dolph Lundgren is solving it, briefly solving another uh, crime. And before everything can get cleaned up, it's kind of like a Predator 2 situation where all of a sudden this uh, alien creature comes in and uses a, well, what's basically a spinning deadly compact disc to, mm. to kill a bunch of people in the room. There's some, here's the a little bit of the forensic part, some forensic analysis of what this disc is uh, that can apparently just fly with, you know, and kill people in a room with no power source or anything like that. But then, it you know, it basically turns into Dolph Lundgren versus aliens. So <laughs> there's lots of action, lots of explosions. It is pretty overall a good time to... Uh, escape from you know whatever else you might be having to worry about, or escape from some of the other darker, more you know brooding downer movies we've suggested. To <laughs> yay big explosions, you know movie that you can kind of cheer at. Oh, uh, Al Leong. who is a um, another actor that people might recognize him not by name but he's uh
0: he's the 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 uh the kung fu guy the stunt guy right who's like in all the 80s stunt movies yeah he was
1: he was genghis khan in bill and ted's excellent adventure and he's been trouble in in little china both big trouble in little china and showdown in little tokyo like yeah he's been in in just tons of uh of action movies uh, I think he's a lethal weapon too. He's got this characteristic mustache. Uh, yes, uh, and um, the, the Fu Manchu mustache. Kind of, yeah, exactly. Anyway, look up. I come in peace. Oh, that's sorry. The, the reason the movie is called that, I should explain that really quick. The the alien who's played by just this massive, like you know, almost seven foot tall German dude. He he, as he walks up to uh, to people, you know, his victims. He just he says just those four words. I come in peace and then kills them. Uh, it's like he doesn't even understand what the words mean. It's just the sound that he makes, and then you know, and then death, death, death happens. Awesome.
0: I don't know that movie, but I will have to check that out. Thanks, sir. Good suggestion.
1: And what's your dark horse? So bad it's good.
0: All right. Well, I w- actually I, I can't even say it's so bad, but it's again, it's a it's a weird stretch to fit forensics in, okay. but it's my you know I. Some people, probably young kids today, might not enjoy this movie as much. But for our era, I mean, this is just my favorite kind of humor. But the Naked Gun oh. from 1988. <laughs> it. Uh, here's the tagline. Oh, I'm sorry, I should have given you the tagline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so here's the tag. It's, it's just so it's so it's so perfect. You've read the
1: ad. Now see the movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Oh, that's such. I, I remember growing up watching that on on like you know Saturday afternoons, or or coming up on uh, TBS or WGN or. You know, some of these cable stations just over and over and over again and just loving it every single time. It was so funny.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's directed and written by David Zucker and Jim Abram. So fans of Airplane and Airplane 2 and Top Secret and all those great 80s visual gag, just great great humor it's so unique for its time that kind of visual humor and I just I love these guys and anyway the whole Naked Gun series which of course was based on a, a, a TV show so I, I'm fitting Naked Gun in here but you could go back and watch Naked Gun any of them or the, the original TV show called Police Squad from 1982 and they all feature the same thing that there's this opening scene, usually a murder or something along those lines, and then the evidence comes back to the crime lab, and they always go to the crime lab, and the crime <laughs> lab scene is so great with the forensic analyst who, you know, it's always one guy, but he's a specialist in all these things, and he's he's kind of their cue from like James Bond where he gives them. You know, he does like research and development, but there are all these fantastic little gag jokes where – I mean they're so subtle. They're hard to describe, but you just have to watch. One of my favorites is the two guys walk through the door, <laughs> but the one guy walks around the door to, because it's an open set and <laughs> – it's just it's so understated but it's such a great visual joke and th- and he's usually involved in doing something inappropriate either with children or women or something and they he just you know all right billy you can go home now and then you see you know billy do something that you know clearly you know he had stuck electrodes up to his head or you know something like that there's always just this inappropriate gag visual humor and he's their forensic scientist slash Cute guy that gives the you know gives them the exploding cufflinks or the the tiny micro camera or some silly invention that he's come up with.
1: Well, this this has got to have one of the oddest casts of any movie just ever, right? You're so, talking about the Naked Gun, right? The naked Gun, yes. Okay, I mean, yeah. so Leslie Nielsen is obviously the the lead uh, from the airplane movie, from Airplane, right? But his his love interest is Priscilla Presley. Yep. Uh, the, his boss is George Kennedy. His partner is yep. O.J. Simpson.
0: Yes, and yes, yes.
1: <laughs> the bad guy is the great Ricardo Montalban. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and
0: and in fact, the 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 plot line for the first Naked Gun is that the Lieutenant Frank Draven, the Leslie Nielsen character, has to foil a plot to assassinate. Queen Elizabeth II, and it's kind of like a Manchurian Candidate brainwashing thing that Ricardo Montalban is is involved in. It's it's you're right. It's a fantastic cast. It's a silly premise, but each of the movies has has a scene at the forensics lab. And going back to the Police Squad show, the twenty minute you know, twenty minute episodes, which if you do like those, I highly recommend going back and watching the original Police Squad. Right, right. They were they were so. So great! Well, they are only like, like what, eight or ten before the series ah, got canceled. All right. So here's this. Here's the tagline from the original police squad show: "There are eight million stories in the naked city. Here are six. <laughs> <laughs> so good, so good. Oh, uh, uh, there were six episodes.
1: I liked the 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 really tall guy. Um, yes. That, <laughs> uh, Larry maybe. He just he's, his whole character is just he's so tall that his his face is never on screen. He's just you know.
0: Yeah. yeah. One of the the lines. You got is, something in uh, your teeth. Right, right. And he you so you see his hand go up out of frame and then like a giant half of a banana falls to the
1: table. And then he says, "No, no, the other side." <laughs> uh, just to just to ruin one one my favorite absolute favorite joke of that movie is Uh, You know, someone falls off a a balcony, you know, down multiple stories, hits the pavement, uh, and then a bus goes over him, (laughs) and and then a big old truck goes over him, and then a uh, steamroller goes over him. (laughs) And every time, you know, everyone, you know, all the characters up at the top of the balcony just kind of, ooh, wince, ooh, every time. Right. And then a marching band goes over top <laughs> of him very slowly, one at a time. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, I think that's from the second one. I think that's Nordberg in the second one.
1: And, the, and then the, uh, the uh, George Kennedy kind of gets a tear in his eye and says, my father went the same way. <laughs> <laughs> I <laughs> so, uh, okay. always love that joke
0: oh I, well, one more forensic related yeah, thing. yeah. Uh, th- there's a murder on a waterfront and bodies in the water, <laughs> and <laughs> when the crime scene team shows up there 's a chalk outline floating in the water of yep. the body where it would have been just oh, cl- so good. again it 's just so visual, nobody says anything, they all keep a straight face it 's so it 's so good
1: uh yes, very much along the the same the, that humor from uh you know airplane and top secret and uh you know those guys their style of humor is very much on uh uh, you know on display here and if you love those those movies then then yeah naked gun is very much up your alley
0: yeah and and there is a little bit of forensics in it
1: exactly All right, Glenn, well, this was fun.
0: Yeah, I I agree. Uh, Did you have – just out of curiosity, what were – you don't have to go through them, but were just some of your – the ones that didn't make the list? I assume you had probably a couple others.
1: This is amazing because we beforehand discussed that we weren't going to share with each other our list yet. So I had a couple extras just in case uh, we had any crossover, and we had zero (laughs) – Crossover.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm very surprised. I thought for sure you'd have Manhunter. I thought for sure you'd have Manhunter.
1: Um, you know, that was one I, I didn't think of, and I and I should have because I believe that a year or two ago I posted a cl- the, that whole fingerprint scene. I clipped yeah. I clipped it out and posted it to our um uh our Twitter account. So I I really should have thought of that one, and and it just somehow didn't enter my mind while I was coming up with this list. Uh, my my last. Uh, two uh, that I had at least ready to go to talk about were uh, Murder by Numbers the uh, yep. the Sandra Bullock movie
0: I considered it but I I didn't like it so much as a movie so I didn't make my list but yes I saw that in the theater
1: yeah, yeah me too uh, you know and I enjoyed it it was just you know not quite as much as, uh, as some of the others and my another kind of eh, kind of shoehorned in but I, I really did like the movie was Gattaca oh wow I never would
0: have thought about that yeah for DNA right
1: And it was, it's a little, it's forensic relation is a little more, I mean, there's definitely a lot of forensics in investigating the crime in that movie, but also a lot of the main character tries to, to remove forensic traces. And that's, that's kind of a big plot point uh, of the movie, Uh, but that's with uh, uh, Ethan Hawke and Uma Thurman really like that one.
0: Yeah, and so I'm I'm glad – see, I'm I'm glad you didn't cover, like, Bone Collector, which I really wasn't a, a fan of. I didn't think that was all that good. I, people liked the book or the – what was it? Kiss the Girls and the Spider one. Along Came a Spider, yeah. Along Came a Yeah, again, I wasn't really a fan of those. I'm glad we covered the ones ones that we did.
1: They're – yeah, they're s- perfectly serviceable, but – Exactly. Exactly. Uh, all three of those – and I think Murder by Numbers falls in that category a little bit, too. But the, I agree. No, I totally agree. The, yeah. um, Kiss the Girls, Along Came a Spider, and... Um, Bone Collector. Uh, and Bone Collector. You know, they're perfectly fine, like, you know, popcorn movies that I remember seeing in the theaters, but, you know, not as, you know, quite as, you know, top of the list as, uh, uh, as some of these other ones. Uh, and I yeah. believe that the Bone Collector got rebooted into a TV series just a couple months ago. But I haven't oh. seen anything about it yet. Like I haven't seen it wherever. I'm not even sure what state, what channel or service it's on. But I just kind of heard about it recently.
0: All right, so a few of the ones that didn't, we didn't quite get to. Yeah. So Twin Peaks, which it was a TV show, and so I, and even the movie didn't really have the movie didn't have any friends, but the original TV show did. That was a huge influence in my life because it came out around that same time that I, you know, I was into Manhunter. Uh, Manhunter was, like you said, 86, so when I went to college, it was the only thing I could show people about forensics, and then Twin Peaks comes out, and I'm like, okay, that guy, FBI agent, Albert Rosenfield, forensic investigator, that is, that's who I want to be, that's the job I want, and, you know, it's Twin Peaks, such a great classic TV show, but anyway, it, it's, for me, the... Uh, Miguel Ferrer character on Twin Peaks was very inspirational for, for me.
1: That's one that I, you know, I was too young when it first came out and I've never made it into Twin Peaks. Oh. Hmm. And uh, because, you know, I, I've, I've, I, I don't know like, you know, the story or anything. So it's not, like it's like, spoiled or anything, but just kind of hearing some of the production history as to, you know, how David Lynch started it off and then where yeah. it went versus where he originally wanted it to go. Yeah, for sure. So,
0: and you you really see it in the writing and the some of the plot lines.
1: So that's that's one, and I think it's that that's always kept me from you know jumping into it. But I I know it's it's one of those things that it's on my list of I really should at some point, but just haven't. Yeah,
0: yeah. First eight to ten episodes are fantastic. You you won't be disappointed. Don't watch the reboot. (laughs) I was a huge fan of Twin Peaks. Huge fan. And I saw what about the, the modern. N- the
1: Fire Walk with Me movie. Uh, nah.
0: No, that's when Lynch was just going absolutely crazy. I mean, it, it, it actually raised more questions and answered more questions and it was completely unnecessary. It was supposed to answer all the questions because the show ended prematurely. Right. And it didn't. It just raised more and was just, what the hell just happened there? Typical Lynch. <laughs> Not explaining anything just because it seemed cool or looked visually interesting Right. anyway. Uh, so another one that didn't uh, quite make my list, Minority Report, which oh, has some really yeah. interesting futuristic forensics great movie highly recommend that steven spielberg tom cruise movie based on a philip k dick short story great great sci-fi fantastic sci-fi
1: that was that was definitely uh, on my list as well um just as a as a fan of philip k dick stories so yeah philip k dick i just i love his stories and the movies that have come out from his stories so if you don't know about philip k dick he's the guy whose stories then later got turned into movies like blade runner total recall Minority Report A Scanner Darkly uh, Screamers uh, which I love oh. uh, the Peter Weller movie I love that Oh one. yeah uh, just an amazing uh, run of, of fantastic sci-fi movies uh, and well and even heck the new one Blade Runner 2049 to do a quick link uh, link of uh, between some things, which was directed by Denis Villeneuve, ah. who's going to be directing later this year the new Dune movie, which was directed by David Lynch back in the eighties. So mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, all right. And
0: so uh, I'll just uh, three last ones: uh, Dark Knight. I was going to try to shoehorn the DNA and the fingerprints in there. Dark Knight with, with Heath Ledger playing the Joker. Yeah. fantastic, fantastic movie. A little bit of forensics. I mean, it's a little bit of a forensic investigation, but the Joker is always two steps ahead of Batman. Well,
1: that's – I think even the original – well, not original, but the 89 Batman, he's doing some forensics in yep. you know, chemical analysis there. And I think that's, that's when Batman movies are at their best is when Batman is being a detective. It's exactly right. He's using science and technology
0: as opposed to just brute force per se. Uh, JFK was another one, which, I mean, I love the whole JFK thing. We've talked about maybe doing an episode or two on JFK. I mean, I think the movie is complete BS. I mean, the the theory – I think everything is just total BS, and yet I love watching it. It's fantastic, fantastic acting, writing, everything, and just – total crap and they ignore actual forensics but there's a lot of forensics in it they just ignore all the the good forensics right so it's got kevin Costner playing the new orleans da jim garrison and the incredible gary oldman as lee harvey oswald he plays an amazing oswald
1: he Uh, just
0: disappears
1: into he does (laughs) i mean from, I mean, it's the same guy, right, that is from, you know, uh, you know Inspector Gordon uh, in uh, the Batman movies, you know, like uh, Dark Knight that you just talked about. Uh, but he's also in Harry Potter, um, Serious Black. Serious Black. But even going back to the 80s, he was Sid Vicious in Sid and Nancy. Yeah. He was the Dracula in Bram Stoker's Dracula. And I mean, it's just. I, you you didn't say my my favorite role though. Oh, what what's that? Drexel, the white pimp from True Romance. He's this this weird kind of thing where he's one of my favorite actors. However, anytime I need to think of his name, I completely forget it. I blank oh, out on the on the name Gary Oldman, and I think part of it is because he's so unrecognizable in every role that he's in.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh Rosenkrantz and Guildenstern are dead yes. another fantastic another gary old those were some of my 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 other ones
1: oh good choices good choices and you know the the jfk thing i, I just it was funny I just finished listening to a series that another uh podcast de- um did recently on it uh it's the last podcast on the left and uh, they usually do a lot of true crime but also a lot of like conspiracy theory like you know aliens and ghosts and that kind of weird stuff so they kind of combined those different aspects of their show into that series where they first kind of laid out the facts and then they went through you know the what the kind of forensic evidence uh, had and then they started going into all the crazy right with with the mafia and the cubans and all the different conspiracies that have been piled up on top of JFK over the years right so they're they're kind of a crude podcast but uh but you know definitely they do their research for uh for those kind of true crime stories uh and, and did a pretty good retrospective on JFK. Yeah,
0: maybe if we get some downtime that might be a good one to explore too. Since there I mean there is palm print evidence yeah. in there and it's kind of it, it's interesting how it factors in.
1: Yeah, and and uh the um, trajectory analysis uh, you know, was a big portion of that case as well.
0: I, yeah, I love, love that part of it. And I don't know if you've ever been to the Texas Book Depository there in, in Dallas. No, but no. when I went there, it, it, the case became immediately clear to me. I mean, absolutely clear after going to it. I went, okay, there is no more doubt. All you got to do is go there. As soon as you go there, you'll see – you know, in the JFK movie, they make it to be an impossible shot. Like, you have to be an expert marksman to have done that shot. And as soon as you go there and see the distance, and imagine a 4X rifle, you go, nope, okay. Very doable shot. Right. It's amazing how close the car passed to that window. You can't tell from the photographs. All you have to do is go there for yourself, and you go, this is maybe 100 yards at most i i can't remember the exact number but i think it might be 100 or and i think one of the shots even that maybe is 80 yards with a 4x rifle Uh, not a difficult shot to make
1: all right well glenn um uh great list and and you know again amazed we didn't have any overlaps and until we kind of got into the ones that we we were we were all just thinking about but um, you know, interested in in also hearing from uh, listeners, if you guys have any movie recommendations, especially those that relate to forensics that uh, you know we may have missed or forgotten, or just not mentioned, uh, you know, uh, send them our way. And maybe we can put together a Twitter post with uh, with a list of recommendations from uh, from other listeners, including our own. So all right, with that, anything else to mention here before we start to close out? Carrie Hall asked me for her and her research
0: team with Carrie, Brianne Breedlove, and Nicole Praska. They put together a survey titled Verification Practices of the Friction Ridge Community, and they're collecting data on how people perform verifications. So if you are at home working from home and you would like some sort of entertaining yet work-related thing that you might be able to do during your quarantine – you can email Carrie, and her email is Carrie Berry, That's C A R E Y B E R R I E at hotmail dot com. That's C A R E Y B E R R I E at hotmail dot com. Uh, we will also try to put a link on our DoubleLoopPodcast.com dot com website, and it's through SurveyMonkey, and they are trying to collect data on how people. In either 10 prints or in latent's, perform verifications. If you do verifications, how do you do them? And uh, I think it's a a good research project as people are getting more and more interested in trying to figure out how verifications are done in various agencies and then what what might be some recommendations for best practices.
1: Well, that's great. That's verification research we've talked about for a number of years now. As as one of those realms that needs to be uh, entered into, and you know, some underlying data established for best practices. You know, when is different levels of verification needed? So, um, hopefully, this is a a start to a a whole series of uh, of research, just kind of that underlying basis to then build upon, uh, and you know. And eventually, over time, grow into something that's that's you know really groundbreaking and shows us uh, some stuff about ourselves. So, to help with that, very much, please email Carrie and uh, and ask for more information about that. All right, listeners, uh, send us uh, your emails, your suggestions for movies, or just uh, you know say hey during the uh, your time at home. Eric at rayforensics.com, dot Glenn at eliteforensicservices dot com. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter or on Instagram at DoubleLoopPod. Our website is com. Let's see. What we say, well, we didn't really say anything controversial this time. It's just about movies. But uh, it is representative of the speaker and not necessarily anyone that they work for. But with that, uh, happy film watching and talk to you guys next time.
0: Bye, everybody. Have a good week. Stay safe, stay healthy, and stay sane.